and welcome to the Magnolia Tree Podcast. I'm your host, Augustine Passon, and today I am joined by my co-workers, Dolly, Elka, and Sabina, and we are going to be talking about International Women's Day. Um, and so without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to Dolly, who has an introduction she'd like to do for us. Hi, everyone. I'm very excited to be here today talking to you about this topic that is so close to my heart. I want to start this episode by talking about the revolutionary woman of the 20th century that achieved an enormous deal for women's rights and, of course, how we came to celebrate the International Women's Day. First, I'd like you to close your eyes and draw some imaginary pictures of a 50-year-old woman living in Western Europe around 1900. Saying she's not ordinary would be an understatement. Now, imagine a Marxist theorist, a communist activist, and most importantly, an advocate for women's rights. Maybe by now you're asking yourself, how are you supposed to visualize this? Those are character traits, not physical ones. Picture a woman being part of the Social Democratic Party in Germany at that time. Her name is Clara Zetkin, and she was probably one of the very few women allowed in such a male-dominant political circle. She started holding conferences to discuss women's issues and by 1907, she organized the first international conference of socialist women in Stuttgart, Germany. This international conference of socialist women pretty much has three stages. Her primary goal was to get women into the workforce in order to take part in the workers' rights organizations. And this way, they would have the means to improve their own conditions. This started a trend. Almost at the same time, all over the world, but let's talk about the U.S. The U.S. declared the first Women's Day on February 28, 1909, and the streets of New York were packed with women protesting for better pay and working conditions. Just two years later, the second international conference, so the second stage, as I was saying, of that international conference of for working women came together. They met in Copenhagen. At that time, with over 100 delegates from all over the world, everybody just wanted to help Zetkin push the idea of International Women's Day. The vote was actually anonymous, and they finally had a day where women could organize and press for equal rights. Even more interesting, some of the other revolutionary ideas discussed at the conference were the eight-hour working day that pregnant women could or should stop working eight weeks prior to giving birth, and that women should be paid a motherhood insurance of eight weeks if the child lived. And if you think about it, these are also the ideas that heavily influence the views of maternity and paternity leave that we know today, let's say in most of the developed countries. Also a fun fact is that the first European celebration of International Women's Day actually happened in Vienna, where we are, most of us are right now. Sorry, Augustine. Only a year later, more than a million women took to the streets in Germany. And the trend continues with America, where a woman called Rose Schneiderman insists that workers need more than just wages to survive. They also need dignity and decent working standards. I believe she was Polish, but born in America, socialist actually. With the first world war approaching now, 
many countries decided to cancel the holiday to maintain peace on the home front. Of course, with all the protests, it just wouldn't be okay for the politicians. Let's put it in that way. So to oppose the war, Zetkin organized the third and the final stage of the Socialist Women Conference in 1915. Present there was Natasha Krupskaya, which you probably never heard of, but I'm pretty sure that you heard of her husband, and that is Vladimir Lenin. They said that the war only benefited the rich and the weapons manufacturers. But sadly, the war went on despite all of their efforts to stop it. Further on, 1917, the most dramatic celebration of the International Women's Day started in Russia, led by the feminist Alexandra Kolontai. Why? It is because... The, the numbers of women working in the factories, mainly in textile or chemical industry, has skyrocketed because men were, at, men were in war. So the women replacing them were paid only half as much, even though they were working long hours and under horrific conditions. The women started storming the streets of Petrograd on February 23rd, or in our calendar on March 8th. And they started um, protesting against war and starvation and the Tsar. Two days later, the whole industrial part of the city, Petrograd, was full with people protesting. And it wasn't just women anymore, or let's just say the workers. It was students and teachers and so many more who joined them. The Tsar even responded to their protests by telling the military to shoot them if necessary. But the protests couldn't be stopped. And I am honestly so impressed by this woman because they had managed to convince whole regiments to switch sides and join them. They actually went on the streets, risked being shot and killed. And that was the beginning of the Russian February Revolution. And it was truly Women's Day that inaugurated that. But we don't really learn about that in school, do we? One week after that celebration of the International Women's Day, Tsar Nicholas II abdicated, ending about 300 years of Romanov rule over Russia. I would say that's impressive. They became one of the very first governments of a major power to grant women the right to vote in Russia, which talking about, talking about this right now with all the problems that came with Russia and Ukraine at the moment is really crazy. Anyway, uh, 1921, it was officially decided that March 8th would be the International Women's Day. And Lenin and Zetkin made this a communist holiday by 1922. And the same year, the communists in China even started celebrating it too. Eventually, almost, I think that about 27 years later, just shortly before the Second World War started, Stalin banned women's rights to vote again in Russia, and even more than that, for example, he was banning abortion. Of course, the US being now concerned, even at the thought of communism, they erased this celebration entirely. Officially in 1975, 
International Women's Day is celebrated again as we know it today, starting with the first woman in space as a Soviet representative, and that was Valentina Tereshkova. Now we are here, it's 2022, and as a woman, and we as women, earn less than our male equivalents. We are underrepresented in politics or business, and most carry we still suffer more significant risks of violence, and many times women still have to handle family care alone. I would like to take the time today and talk about women's rights, about sexism, about discrimination at the workplace and beyond that. And of course, about the leaders who we chose to be in charge of our rights. Yeah, thank you so much, Dolly. That was amazing. <laughs> I know that you uh, spent a long time working on that the past few days, and I really appreciate you taking the time to do so because, you know, it, it, it's really fascinating to hear the entire history of International Women's Day and, and the backdrop to, that kind of sets us up um, and not only kind of lays an outline of how far we've come, but also that there's still a lot that needs to be done. Um, one kind of question that I am interested in after hearing you is it sounds like uh, historically International Women's Day and, and the the women's rights movement is deeply intertwined with workers' rights and labor's rights. Um, and now we still have International Women's Day. Is there still that strong vibe of labor rights and, and kind of pushing forward uh, progressive uh, changes in, in the way we approach labor and in regards to women's rights movements? I mean, that was Zetkin's plan. Her plan was to get women working legally and not only just as maids or in agricultural surroundings, but to help them earn their own money in order to support themselves and also their children. Also, Zetkin was herself working. I think she started somewhere in 1880 to work for the newspaper for SPD, the German party. Hmm. So it's actually really impressive. And, and I think that was also one why she probably started changing things and wanting more for other women too, because I imagine she was just alone working there as a woman. I, I cannot believe there were too many women working with her at that time. You know what I mean? And how many women were there without a man, maybe at that time, still having a child and, and not, not having any possibilities to support their life? As kind of an extension of that, I, I want to turn the question over to Elka and to Sabina about your experience in executive leadership and, and in coaching with, it seems like in, in recent times, especially with these social media trends and consumer pressure, uh, more women and more diverse groups of people are being brought into executive boards, to to middle and senior management. Um, but how much of that is, in your experience, more of a publicity thing? Is it making significant changes, even if uh, it is maybe PR oriented? And and have you found it these initiatives being successful largely, or is it more um, superficial? Well, I I know what you mean is this kind of blue washing we, we often hear. And what I find quite annoying in the meantime is that there are so many reasons why people find it's not necessary to, to celebrate Women's Day because, you know, there is no man's day and women want to have the same rights. So why do we have to celebrate a special day? And the same thing is happening in our daily work life. There are so many reasons why we don't um, need quotes 
and so on. And I think as long as there's such a big difference between the chances for women and for men in how they can progress their career, we need initiatives like the Women's Day, no matter if it's communist um, or if it's not communist because it's, it's about the thing. And I think sometimes even blue washing can lead to change because when they see what's happening, when they put in women, when they put in women and they rely on women, I, I hope change will happen. Could you explain that term blue washing? I haven't heard of that before. Usually blue washing is used when you refer to the sustainable development goals by the United Nations. And you use kind of an action and say you do it because of the SDGs, but in fact, you just do it for PR reasons, as you mentioned. Right. And Makes sometimes sense. greenwashing is with um, the, th the same thing in ecological way. Yeah. Got it. I think my perspective is maybe tying you two questions together, Augustine. Um, International Women's Day, uh, for sure, is still about the workforce and workers' rights because our reality is that we leave the potential of at least 50% of population untapped or, you know, hardly tapped into. So it, it, of course, has a lot to do with potential workforce topics and large. I personally am a bit heartbroken listening to Dali's story and listening to her reflections on history and how palpable she made it because I don't have a, a nice way of saying it. I'm heartbroken about the lack of movement. I'm yeah. heartbroken about the lack of passion, the lack of drive that I so often see in boardrooms among senior leaders of our systems. And frankly, maybe even in myself. I try to make the world a better place in every coaching and every intervention that I do. But at the same time, I really feel that we are on the cusp. If you want a crossroad where we have already selected one direction that is really not leading us down a good path because we approach a point of no return in so many top topics, most prominently, of course, the climate crisis. And we need to do a change. We need to do a U-turn. We somehow need to, need to realign ourselves. And what I'm missing is is a movement that really reflects the passion and ignites as many people as, you know, Dali shared um, around socialist ideas. And in fact, many of those ideas, probably the answer to, to some of the questions that we're struggling with, we might have to redefine them, but they probably hold important answers because they were about fairness and uh, equality and allocating resources in a sustainable way, um, yeah. you know, really, really being holding fairness up and human dignity. And yes, I'm I'm sorry, I don't want to preach about this in this podcast. And, you know, there are many upbeat examples that we can point to. Education uh, for girls around the globe has gone up substantially. Um, almost all countries on the planet have a voting right for women. Those are huge achievements. At the same time, I see a Biedermeier movement. I see a movement back to old values that really concerns me too. Um, and some of those things you mentioned before, you said due, due to social pressure and social media and so on, 
I actually struggle with social media very often because most platforms, in a way, we all know they're incredibly biased, they're incredibly racist. Um, and these algorithms really go back to an image of male and female bodies that I think is very unhealthy, um, male and female roles that I think is very un unhealthy. Think of all the mom influences and their success. And things like that really concern me. So I am missing uh, an outcry. Um, and apart from the Black Lives Matter movement and maybe the outcry we had in the early years of Trump, I haven't really seen anything that compares. Yeah, at least kind of speaking from the U.S. and younger person perspective, it feels like um, a little bit of apathy has set in. And I don't know, I, hopefully it's just it's just temporary. Um, but a lot of these issues seem so difficult and, and so out of control and so huge um, that it can be hard to engage on it and, and think about it on a local level. I think, you know, the solution to that is to try and, and personalize your, your situation and try and think about, okay, what can I do? Maybe not on this global scale, but what can I do in my local community? What can I do in my friend group? How can I think about approaching these issues? Is there like, a small, maybe local protest we could go to or, or something like that. And that would be how I would encourage people to try and engage um, for International Women's Day. And I don't know, do you guys have any suggestions on literature to read, uh, podcasts to check out, just ways that you might want to engage on International Women's Day or, or how you might plan to engage on International Women's Day? I think one of the um, key items for me and the reason why I'm jumping in is because what I love to do on International Women's Day is actually to flip the narrative. There are so many amazing books out there about men and how men are struggling in a patriarchal system and how the patriarchal society and system is not serving them either. And I love International Women's Day for those topics because um, as Elke said, very often the criticism is why do we need an International Women's Day? Um, and, you know, what, why is it still necessary today? And, and then I often like, like to talk about the patriarchal society that we live in and, um, and some of the rules and the impacts. So there are some amazing, amazing books like um, Not Man Enough or the impact of the patriarchy. Many uh, amazing men actually have come forward and, and, and shared their experience and, and their findings. So that is what I would recommend. I totally agree with you that we need efforts as society and not only by women. So I think the next generation of feminists will be the men out there, right? Who work for the goal of more fairness in this world. And I love the books you mentioned. I would add maybe a bit more women's side books. I love What Works. It's by Iris Bonet and it's about how we can um, create this change by our behavior. And the second one is a bit more, um, more, more deeper into science and it's called Invisible Women and why women are often spared out in, in science, in papers and so on. And also shows, for example, gender medicine, a very new field and a very important field because so many women died because they weren't examined right or, or had the right medicine. So I think there are so many ways we could improve the life for many women out there, not only for the management levels. 
For me, I have to say, I do agree with Sabine on social media. I'm not going to talk about a book right now because Elke took mine anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Not a problem. But um, I want to say that I agree with Sabine when it comes to social media. It's still such a biased place to be virtually. And also it plays such an important, a crucial role in today's um, generations, you know, and because that, my suggestion would be helping children and the generations right now understand how to structure their time on social media and how to choose what you follow on Instagram or on LinkedIn based on some criteria. A lot of people go there and see, like you've been saying, you know, a cute dog, a beautiful woman, I don't know, a six pack, and they follow it. And I'm just saying, look for the people and the accounts that maybe are not right there on your feed, but are still there online. For an example, I follow a photographer from Germany and he photographs a lot of people that, you know, had some kind of an injury or um, an operation, facial operations or on their body. And it's just, it helps me a lot just by seeing that it helps me have another perspective when I walk on the street and, or I have friends that have been going through the same things. It's just so important with social media that you think about who you follow and who you're giving credits to because following means it, it not just only means, oh, I'm looking at that picture and that's it nowadays. It means that person, if it has enough people following like like you did, it means she has or he has some kind of a credibility now, you know, and they might get money out of it. And the movements are not here on the social media right now, but as I see it from my perspective, I think Social media is also the place that could start the movements with our generation right now. I don't know what's your opinion on that, Augustine, but that's how I see it. No, I think you've got a really excellent perspective. And I think this is maybe the thing that we'll, we'll wrap up on is kind of just discussing the importance of, and now you're making me think I, I should really go and just do like a social media cleanse, like a, <laughs> a culling, um, yeah. just going through and really reconsidering, okay, like what, who am I following? Cause you know, it's not only that, oh, you, you need to add more followers and think about who you want to go to next and what are healthy sources of information, um, but also that, you know, time is limited and social media is almost infinite. <laughs> and it can be really time consuming to, to be engaged in that all the time. So, so streamlining your, your information, um, I think is something I really want to do going forward. And maybe we should make some sort of plan to do that as a group, as a company, trying to think about who, who we're following or the good or not. Thank you so much for sharing, Dolly. Thank you so much for sharing your experience, Elka and, and Sabina. It's been so great to have you on the podcast today. Is there any closing notes anyone wants to go out on? Any closing messages? I would say make a conscious decision about the things you're doing and how you influence just everything you know around us. And I think for me, it's very simple. Today is March 8th. Celebrate a woman in your social network. Yeah, I would agree on that. Celebrate a woman and maybe a more general one. Um, watch out which words you use when you talk about things. They have some, so much power. And especially in German, when there's often a female in a male form look out which way you talk about other people because other people are hearing it and they take it for granted so often.
Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, have a lovely day and happy International Women's Day. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to the Inspiring Brave Leaders podcast by Magnolia Tree. This is Daliana Eliesch, the editor of the podcast. Feel free to reach us or visit our website for more bursts of inspiration around leadership. You can find a link for our website and our social media platforms in our bio. Thank you for tuning in. Mm -hmm.